Hello, welcome to MonarchCast. We are talking royal things today. I'm Allie. I'm Claire. And I know we said before the brief holiday break that we were going to come back and do an episode on Francis, but we thought we'd mix it up a little bit and um, take a break from some of the straight bio we've been doing and have a fun episode where we talk about what it means to behave like a royal. (laughs) Some fun stuff that's easy to talk about. And it is fun. Like, I had a blast. Like, I did a very freely, I will freely admit, I did a very cursory job of, like, researching this. Like, I wasn't reading any, you know, how to be royal etiquette manuals. Um, But there is a lot out there at the moment about royal protocol and etiquette because, of course, we've had a wedding this year and, and... previous non-royal, non-English person was married into the royal family. So there was a lot of discussion of like, what is Meghan Markle going to need to learn to become a duchess? And it's a lot. <laughs> Please tell me there's not actually a manual. I I mean, I'm sure there's something they wrote down for her, right? I mean, there's a lot of rules. <laughs> Are there? I mean, she doesn't seem to be following a lot of them, which I think is fine but I don't know like I would imagine they gave her some stuff to study yeah well we'll talk about all of that um but we were just talking about the fact that we don't really have a lot of gossip and I think this will be a little gossipy so that will cover that for the evening and also um we don't have any specific royal oops for last time um although I think it was pretty clear the Holy Roman Empire could be its own podcast series. So that was really a high level overview. So no one, no one told us anything specific, but if there was anything minor, we apologize as always. We don't claim to be experts. It Um, remains a mystery. It does. To to us at least. (laughs) It does. But today I think we're going to have some fun. Um, We're going to learn how to duchess. Well, I, I mean, this is not exclusive to women but the rules do seem to be heavily favored towards the women like men have a lot less to worry about it seems so we're going to be talking more about what the women have to consider although there's a few things that men have to remember as well and some of it's gender neutral a lot of protocol like there I'm sure there are rules and we'll talk about some of them but I do feel like a lot of this is going to be what people's impressions are that yes. the rules are. And because, then- yes, like as you said, there probably isn't like an official published manual somewhere. And also, I want to stress that we are talking about what we think the etiquette is for the British royals. There's not a lot out there about like this, what the Swedish or Spanish royals have to go through, at least not in English. Um, and as we always say, we aren't experts on this subject. And so a lot of what gets reported also then gets follow-ups of like, you know, various royal experts saying, well, actually that's not really required. So the only ones who know the truth are those who live it. And we're just going to do our best to interpret it from afar. We are going to talk about it like we're experts. I yes. think that's what's important. <laughs> and I think regardless of what's real or not, it sounds exhausting. <laughs> like if they don't have to deal with all of what we're talking about, even some of it is a lot to worry about. I agree. Yeah. So we've got some various categories. We're going to start with how to dress as a royal because it's probably the most well-known and discussed area of royal etiquette, at least 
around um, the new Duchess of Sussex. So I think we'll start there. Surprise, surprise, there's a lot of limitations on what women can wear. Um, Although many of the rules do seem to be followed on a bit of a case-by-case basis, and from what I can tell, usually more closely followed when in the presence of the queen. So, like, it's not really a rule. It's yeah, just well, it might be her preference, preference yeah. or it might be a bit of a holdover. And I think the monarchy is getting better about recognizing, maybe advancing what's expected of women for the modern era. So, I think it also goes back to the fact that Queen Elizabeth has been queen since the 50s. So she's doing a lot of things the same way she did in the 50s, which, as we know, things have changed drastically yeah. in women's like, wear. And then also, remember, I think it was her grandmother was still dressing like it was 1870 you know, when right. she died. So I think it's maybe just tradition. You just kind of stick with what you know. Yeah, those- and I think, you know, there's a lot of conjecture about how the queen is really unhappy with the fact that Megan tends to favor pants. And, you know, there's been some pushback of like, no, she can wear pants whenever she wants. And I think that's a perfect example of women wearing pants is a bit more modern than perhaps even the queen would agree with as a 90 plus year old woman. Um, That's not, as far as I can tell, a specific rule that women aren't allowed to wear pants. Um, Megan does seem to wear them more than any of the other royals. So maybe that's why it comes up. But That's not an example of one that we're going to talk about. Let's jump in. Let's do it. Okay, so what to wear. Uh, Mostly around what to wear or some of it not to wear. Above all, I think the the top rule that seems to be followed is to dress modestly and always dress for the occasion. So specifically... I think that's a rule that everybody can take to heart. I think so. I mean, if you think about the capacity that they live in the public life, you could almost view it as like what we would now consider like dressing professionally. Yeah. I think they have a few more limitations. Um, Specifically, women should avoid exposing their knees and shoulders in public. Um, However, I think we're well aware that both Kate and Megan have been known to shirk this specific rule, known to show off their legs above the knee. And Megan at least made waves earlier this year when she exposed the tops of her shoulders at Trooping the Color, and it was a scandal. <laughs> okay, so I can think of a couple of examples here. So I remember distinctly when um, Kate Middleton was pregnant with Prince George, and she was wearing her dresses very, very short. Was it the polka dot dress? Well, she wore a few of them pretty short, and I felt like it was, uh, to me, it was smart because you're gaining volume at the top of your body, and she's always wearing layers usually, so of course you would show off your legs, and it just kind of balances out the look, but I remember her getting a lot of flack for that, and of course because she was pregnant and in a miniskirt and people were just freaking out. But I think that was where you see the interplay between, okay, a good tailor or seamstress or stylist would, of course, tell you to do that. But then you have this quote-unquote protocol, and you're not allowed right. to do that, and certainly not when you're with child. And then we have Megan. I think it was just last week she was wearing a dress, and it was pretty short. But again, it was she was covered up everywhere else. It's that It balance. wasn't even scandalously short. I mean, that's the thing. It was like a few inches above the knee. 
I do remember the trooping the color thing too. I remember actually being surprised <laughs> that she wore off the shoulder. But again, it couldn't have been that much against protocol because she was there with the queen. So surely things get checked and, you know, or or maybe, you know, she was told, hey, we don't care. You know, it's like if it was truly that big of an issue, then she wouldn't have done it at her first trooping the color, right? Yeah, I don't think that was, uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and she didn't fine. even show her entire shoulders. It was literally just the tops of them. So, I mean, it's it's absurd how it policed this gets. Too much shoulder. Yeah. Um, speaking of hemlines, though, some of the, I think, etiquette around that is also due to the fact that you're frequently outside and in weather. And so the queen is known to use weights that are sewn into the hems of her skirts to prevent fly-ups in breezy weather. I think we all know the Duchess of Cambridge doesn't do that. (laughs) She's had some close calls with airplanes and breezy events. I think that's that just comes down to the fact of like dressing for public appearances too. I think any person who didn't grow up doing that wouldn't necessarily think okay I'm gonna be standing outside making a public visit and I'm not sure it would cross many people's minds that I'm gonna be doing that next to a helicopter (laughs) maybe right my shirt or my skirt should be weighted so that it doesn't blow up and then I just think that that's something that when you're dressing you, you would never really take into account unless you've been through it three or four times Right. And then apparently another trick is to wear fabrics that tend to become staticky and cling. And what they're clinging to is what we'll talk about next, which is that pantyhose or tights are a must. Now, this does seem to actually be at least. Yeah. And the queen seems to expect it. And most do seem to follow this rule, at least when they're attending an event with the queen. Um, Kate tends to follow it very often. In fact, she set a bit of a craze for nude sheer pantyhose after marrying William when everybody realized, hey, she's wearing pantyhose and we can hardly tell. Where do I get some of those? Megan appeared for the first time in pantyhose at her very first event after becoming a duchess, but has so far mostly appeared to shirk this rule. Okay, my theory on that is that first appearance post-wedding I hated the dress that she was wearing and I hated that the sheer material on her sleeves almost matched the, the pantyhose that she oh was my wearing. God. but I, my theory was that she did it on purpose because she had yeah. gotten flack for not wearing them during the engagement and I think she probably put them on and somebody said oh those aren't gonna photograph well in the sun and she said even better yeah they will know that they're on And I think that she has worn them a couple times since, but mostly when attending events where the queen is present. So it's not something that she's made a habit of, and we probably won't see her do that. I mean, she wore that mini dress last week and wasn't wearing pantyhose, so it doesn't seem to be something that she's going to follow religiously. Nor should she. I mean, it's 2018. Like, you know. They're so uncomfortable. Yeah, and hot and hard to match your skin tone and, you know. Um, Okay, so there's also some rules around shoes. Kate quite famously loves her wedges, but apparently the queen does not care for them. So this no wedges rule seems like there might be one or it might just be personal preference of the queen. So it's kind of probably most likely something that is a follow in the presence of her majesty kind of rule. Yeah, um, and I highly doubt anyone sent a memo and said, 
no wedges. But yeah. I'm sure it came down through the grapevine. So she's like, well, it's like, it's like when your grandma is like, I hate the fact that you have a belly button ring. Well, you just don't wear it around your grandma. Exactly. So I think we can notice like Kate does like wedges, but she tends to wear them to more casual events or maybe when traveling. And these are not events that the queen is present at. I mean, to her credit, wedges are notoriously the best footwear choice when you're on a grassy field, like a garden party or, you know, going to Ascot or something, you know, like heels are incredibly difficult to walk in in any kind of surface that isn't paved. Very true. And the queen is wearing heels that are about like an inch tall at most. So I don't know that she necessarily appreciates that balance. And they look like block heels. Those are so easy to walk in. Yeah. But speaking of feet and fingers, I suppose, um, if a female royal would like to paint her nails, she's not going to get trendy with it. Nude nail polish is the order of the day. The queen's favorite shade is known to be Essie's ballet slippers, which is a very pinkish nude. That I one's allowed. Own that nail polish. I think I do too. It's a very pretty color. <laughs> it's hard to get on though. It's so sheer. I don't. Yeah. I I I. I could see the nail rule being okay. Obviously, no glitter, no blue, no red, no black. But I, I feel like in the '60s, especially, you know, Margaret was running around in oh. red nail, red nails. I I highly suspect. There are a lot of these rules that Margaret was not following. Maybe she felt herself above the rules. Like, the queen's not going to tell her how to dress. But that's that's how you do your nail polish. Um, if we want to talk about jewelry, there's no real rules around that, unless we're talking about the royal jewelry, which is tiaras. They are to be worn at formal events only. In fact, there's an old rule that hats were not worn inside after 6 p.m. because that's when the ladies would change into their evening wear with jewels and tiaras, and you can't wear both a tiara and a hat. So Interesting. Yeah. Um, If wearing a tiara, you are to wear it at a 45-degree angle when viewed from the side, and in modern times, it's worn farther back on the head, whereas... In previous eras, it might have been worn more closer to the forehead. And specifically, only married ladies wear tiaras. So you know Eugenie can't wait. Oh, she's probably got a bunch. Oh, yeah. And knowing her choice in headwear, they're probably interesting. You know, there's they're like hereditary. A, yeah, there's like so. a whole bunch of tiaras. So this is, I don't know if you've ever checked this out. And for anybody listening, I'm sure some of you have heard of this, but there's a um, blog called the Royal, I'm going to say it wrong, the Royal Order of Sartorial Splendor, I think is the, is the name of the blog, but it's all about crown jewels and famous jewels, and they have a whole series on tiaras from all the different um, royal houses, but they have a whole series on the British tiaras, and there's a whole bunch of them that haven't been seen for decades. And so I think it's kind of interesting. Like, imagine if you're Eugenie and you're getting married and your grandmother's like, all right, you get to pick your tiara. I mean, there's a couple that you wouldn't pick because they've been recently used, but it's got to be like a whole closet full. Yeah, I mean, and we don't know what shape they're in. Like, maybe they haven't been used because they're delicate and fragile, but it's certainly possible that maybe the queen has been reserving some for her granddaughters like that apparently they're very close to her so completely believable to me that she 
wouldn't just be lending everything out to Kate and now Megan, you know. Very true. But speaking of tiaras, uh, there's a whole bunch that when it comes to royal etiquette, accessories have a special part to play. And to me, the theme seems to be make your accessories work for you. Mm-hmm. So handbags are a thing. I think we all know as women the notorious struggle of I would like to carry a handbag or a purse because that's a convenient, handy place to put things. Most women's clothes have, if they have pockets, they're pretty useless. So it's pretty necessary. But then what do you do with your hands? How do you carry it? Does it get in the way? Well, all of these issues, the royals tend to use them to their advantage. So the queen very famously uses her handbag to signal her staff. So when she wants to leave an event, when she needs to exit a conversation, etc., she kind of just will maybe shift it to another arm. You know, maybe there's some secret signals. She'll whip it, whip it around in the air. Yeah, you know, beat someone over the head with it. <laughs> um, and she also famously has her, her preferred style of handbag. You know, it's like that little kind of box one with it. She can put it over her arm carried around the duchess of cambridge so she often holds a small clutch in both hands at most events which apparently is a useful tactic to avoid shaking hands with people when it could otherwise maybe be awkward and then i think diana is my favorite she often used her clutch to block the paparazzi from taking cleavage shots of her when she was getting out of cars so she would hold it to her chest and kind of you know hide her body with it which i think is incredibly clever yeah. Because I think, as we know, she particularly suffered at the hands of the paparazzi, so she had her own arsenal of sartorial tools to thwart them, which I, I really like. So that's what I've got for the women. Men, comparatively, have way fewer rules to follow. I could find barely anything on men. Um, I think the only place where men get the shaft is boys are expected to wear shorts at all times until age eight, even in the winter time. Um, now, this, this, this has got to just be for public appearances. Probably, though. yeah. I mean, but even so, that seems incredibly cruel. Like, it's Christmas, we're going to church, and you have to wear shorts. Toughen them up. I guess, but man, because pants on a young boy is considered to be the dreaded middle class or suburban, so you can't have that if you're a member of the aristocracy what, or royal. What is that? Oh, we're so rich that it's so warm inside our house in winter that our little boys can wear shorts. Like, I mean, maybe. It's the reasoning there. I don't know. It's I mean, that, but that's why George is always in shorts with, like, knee socks, because... The socks are probably to keep him warm, to be honest. Till the age of eight. Till the age of eight. Now, there is an exception. So George did wear pants to Harry and Meghan's wedding. It's his only appearance of his short life in pants in public. And that was because that was, they dressed the page boys in outfits to match William and Harry. So do you think there was a few people in the crowd smirking and saying oh well Megan didn't know that these little boys should be in shorts I'm assuming because it was a custom outfit to match the adults that it was understood that oh they have the power to do this like I think everything else about that situation would outweigh any sniffing about him wearing pants you know like it wasn't like she just threw a pair of jeans on him you know George was probably like um I'm Excuse me, how, how do these work? I know, he was probably like, what's going on? Why are my legs so warm? 
<laughs> so then the only other real um, protocol that I found for men when it comes to their dress is facial hair. So mm. Harry has been racking a beard for a couple years now, and supposedly the queen is expecting him to shave it off at some point sooner rather than later um, because she is said to abhor facial hair. Um, although so far, no razor for Harry. Um, and I think if you've watched The Crown or looked at some old magazine covers, Philip notably at one point grew a beard as well during a royal tour. So it's not unheard of. It's just not very common. I, I mean, Charles to me looks like someone who still can't grow a beard. Yeah. So that might be why. <laughs> I think if Harry was going to shave, it would have been for the wedding. And right. He wore a beard to the wedding. So that tells me maybe uh, Megan likes the beard. Uh, yeah. I don't know if that beard's going anywhere. Yeah. But it's not common at all. And in fact, when he first grew it, everyone was like, oh, that's just temporary. The queen's going to make him get rid of that. But he is known to be one of her favorites, so he does get to skirt the rules a bit where others don't. Okay, well, shall we move on to a different category of behavior? Of course. Okay, let's talk about eating because there's also a lot going on about how a royal is supposed to eat food. First of all, what can you eat? So you might appreciate this. Okay. Um, when traveling especially, but oftentimes, royals tend to skip the shellfish in order to avoid any possible episodes of food poisoning. Well, now that just seems smart. It does. Because, you know, you're outside a lot. You're at these public events. How long has that crab been sitting on that melting ice? You never know. And you never know when somebody might be allergic do you uh, yeah. want to have to go through the trouble of putting a sign on the buffet? I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that again. <laughs> just, just out, if you're listening out there and you're going to put shrimp in your mac and cheese, please label it for those of us who cannot if you can't eat it. Tell, Claire is allergic to shellfish and had a recent encounter at a buffet it, that was it, a bit silly. So small not, shrimp. No, not your reaction wasn't silly. It was silly of the buffet to small, not label small shrimp look suspiciously or not suspiciously depending on your approach like macaroni okay they do same shape yeah. same texture <laughs> let me just PSA. Well, psa to my knowledge none of the royals are currently skipping shellfish for aller allergy reasons but well, maybe it the queen is, is allergic and that's why she has this rule maybe i did see some pictures of charles uh, slurping some oysters. So I it's mean, sometimes not, you can't resist. That's yeah, it's so not something good. that everybody follows. Um, but speaking of dislikes, if you were dining with the queen, you're not going to eat anything with garlic. So the queen apparently really hates garlic, hates the taste, the smell. So any royal dinners, no garlic in front of the queen. They don't put garlic in their food. I mean, I put garlic in all of my food. I know. I've thought about this a lot because... Her food must taste so bad <laughs> because garlic is like one of those flavors that it's like onions, right? It's like you don't necessarily always want your food to taste like garlic, but it really just adds a little something to everything. It'd be like if she was like, I hate salt. Maybe she's like, no garlic bread, but it can be in the pasta sauce. I'm sure they sneak it in sometimes. Like, how would they not? But yeah, that's that's all I know. Um, okay, so we've established what you're allowed to eat. How are you now going to get this food into your mouth? Well, it's tricky. So utensils should always be held in the correct hands. Um, if you're an upper class Brit, this means not 
at all similar to how we do in America, which is known as the continental method. So if you are British aristocracy or royal, you're holding your knife in your right hand and your fork in the left with the tines facing down. Okay, okay. That is, seems very middle class to me. To use a term we just used. Well, you're not holding them in fists. So the other thing is you <laughs> extend a finger like down the sides of them and you're not shifting your fork out of your left hand to eat. You're going to eat with the left hand. And also, you're not going to spear the pieces of food with the tines of your fork. You're going to balance the food on the back of your fork and bring it to your mouth, which sounds incredibly difficult to me and I think explains why the British eat their peas mushy. Yes, that seems so messy. Yes, like how do you eat peas? How do you eat rice? How do you eat anything that needs to like sit on, you know, it just doesn't, make a lot of logical sense, but maybe that's why Kate's so skinny. <laughs> oh, no, don't start that. <laughs> but how do you balance, like, even, like, a piece of steak on your fork if you can't spear it with your fork? So you, you like, sort of scoop it onto your fork with your knife and balance it while you bring it to your mouth. I feel like I have to try this now. Th- this just seems like such a non-elegant way of yeah. eating that I just... This is this is crazy to me. I, I guess I'm wrong. showing my my like low classy origins because whew, that's yeah. weird. And I might be wrong, but I think there's a really great visual example of this in the first Harry Potter movie when they show Hermione eating her dinner. Really? Yeah. Mm. Okay, so you've established how you use your utensils, but you also are never to put your utensils down while eating unless you need to take a drink or use the restroom, at which point you're going to put them down and you're going to cross your silverware on your plate to let the wait staff know that you aren't done. And then there's like a different position that you put them in if you're like done with your food. So you you can't take a break? No, you can. But if you're going to take a break, you like cross them on your plate. That seems stressful. What if you just get too big of a mouthful of food well how could you if you're if you're balancing yeah. it on the back well right fork. these mouthfuls are probably tiny because you're not getting it's like the first time you eat with chopsticks there's not a lot that's landing in your mouth so um then if you happen to spill as you would if you're you know trying to balance all this food on the backs of your silverware you're going to wipe your hands and mouth on the inside of your napkin to avoid getting your clothes dirty as it sits in your lap which I think is actually that's a nice tip. Pretty that's a normal. Nice tip, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if you're not at a standard like dinner, say you're at tea time, you've gone to meet the queen and you're having tea with her. A lot of what we think about the proper way to drink tea is incorrect. Oh so boy. first, you're gonna hold a teacup. You're gonna use the thumb and your index finger to hold the top of the handle while your middle finger is going to support the bottom of the handle. So you're only holding the teacup by the handle and no pinkies out, even for the royals that is too pretentious. See, this is so far so, from how I drink tea. I wrap my freezing hands around the cup yeah, right? <laughs> for warmth. Well, we're not talking about like a mug size here. We're talking about like a tea a teacup. So not a lot of you know, space to wrap anything gotcha. around. And also it's a gotcha. lot lighter. Um, also the handle of the cup should be kept at the three o'clock position whenever possible. And you should sip from the same spot, especially if wearing lipstick so that the entire rim isn't covered as you drink. Smart. That's smart. I do that actually. Yeah. I could 
I could and be what, a royal. Yes. And whatever you do, no matter eating or drinking, when the queen is done, you are done. Well, everyone is done. That's unfortunate because if I was at dinner with the queen, I'm t- struggling to take tiny little bites of food. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> She's done and I've eaten three things because I'm trying not to make a mess. <laughs> Maybe that is why Kate is so skinny. <laughs> I mean, it sounds mean, but like I'm guessing as she's supposedly middle class, whatever, that that might not be a way that she grew up eating her dinner. So like it probably took a bit of an adjustment period. Although I would like to think that she was practicing that for the entire 10 years that she was dating. Uh, the Lou, first time so. you go out to dinner on a date, you're looking at him like, what are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, if she were smart, she was practicing that because that is not something that you're going to learn overnight. Yeah, she probably learned it at boarding school. I mean, that could be too. So, I mean, again, I have no idea what the class hierarchies really mean in England. And to me, like having your family having millions of dollars and sending you to private school, like that's good enough. Like you're going to look around you and pick up the correct way to eat, I'm sure. And by correct, I mean entirely wrong. (laughs) Yeah, or like ridiculously correct, whatever. Um, Okay, so now that we've established eating, let's just talk about like a general how to be, like your behavior. Um, Again, a lot of this seems aimed towards the women. I didn't find a lot about how men are supposed to interact. Um, First of all, sitting. So how to sit like a duchess? Well, I think we've heard of the duchess slant, which was coined for Kate Middleton, but also practiced by Princess Diana. Um, It's a sitting position where you sit with your knees and your ankles essentially pressed together and slanted to the side, not crossed. I think if we remember in The Princess Diaries, Amelia was told to, if she crosses her legs only at the ankles, Duchess isn't even doing that. Reportedly, this ensures good posture and makes your legs look longer. Okay, so I'm trying to do that right now and i I know i'm sitting too far back in my chair i can't reach the ground (laughs) i I know maybe this is only for tall people (laughs) struggling oh i can't be a duchess damn it well you just have to sit forward in your chair that's all okay so (laughs) once you've stood up from your chair say you need to use the stairs so you're coming to walk down the stairs and you try to keep your chin parallel with the ground and either keep your hands at your side or if you need to use a banister, rest your hand on any banisters, but don't grip it. And then you walk with your toes pointed towards the banister. So you're sort of sidestepping down the stairs. Oh, okay. I think I'm you've... trying. I was like, to- I was picturing pigeon toed like, walking down oh, the stairs. No, <laughs> both toes. And it's not like exaggerated, but it kind of helps keep your balance up the stairs instead of pitching you forward. I think that actually yeah. makes a lot of sense, especially if you're yeah. wearing heels. Yeah. Do you think do you think the men are walking down the stairs and thinking to themselves, <laughs> okay, right, 45 degree angle towards the banister. Here we go. <laughs> I think the men are like running down the stairs because they don't have to worry about anything. Sounds, sounds <laughs> um, about right. Yeah. Okay, so you've you've floated down the stairs and now you're meeting your public. So how do you do this? Well, handshakes are, are fine. If you're doing a handshake, you're going to maintain direct eye contact. You're going to firmly shake with no more than two pumps. And don't forget to smile because you want to be friendly. So this is not like an extended, you know, shaking 
thing happening here. This is a very quick, like, hello. Um, if you're greeting a friend, you may kiss them, although you do the Euro double kiss, not like a real kiss, where you don't actually kiss your friend and you don't make any exaggerated, like, mwah sounds. You know, it's just like kind of an air kiss. But then if you're Swiss, you do three instead of two, which is what I found. That's interesting. It's specific. It is. I'm sure that applies to other Europeans as well, but we don't do that so much in America, so... We just hug like we haven't seen know. anybody in years. I mean, we hug strangers. I, it's, it's a thing. I mean, I moved to California, and I was like, I just met you. Why are you hugging me? I mean, it's a thing. So we just like to get up in everybody's yes, physical absolutely. space. So if you're greeting someone important, like, say, the queen, you might choose to curtsy. Um, If you're going to curtsy, all curtsies are not going to be these, like, exaggerated ballerina curtsies. A curtsy should be subtle, but the deeper and longer the curtsy, the more respect and formality you are displaying towards the person in front of you. It's like a little bob. Pretty much. Like, you kind of, like, slide your foot behind you and dip a little bit and that's about it um it's a little awkward probably probably in heels Um, don't tip over yeah I mean again the ladies get the short end of the stick here so who would you curtsy to so usually only to the queen but that number can go up the further down the order of precedence you are and who you're with so the order of precedence would be essentially how far you are from the throne so if we want to talk about Charles, he's only bowing. He's not even curtsying, but he's only bowing to his parents. His wife to his parents, and then she might curtsy to Charles if it's like a formal occasion. I'm not even sure, though. I don't know if they get put on the same order. But say our new Duchess of Sussex, Meghan, as further down the line, she would curtsy to everyone above her in line, and also she would curtsy to Anne, Beatrice, and Eugenie, or anyone styled a royal princess that is like a princess by birth. So they would outrank her so in that regard. So does she curtsy to Charlotte? Well, so I'm not sure where the kids come into this order. Um, and I also am not sure if she would have to curtsy to the princess's royal if she's with Harry. Like what I read, it was if she's I not with Harry, she would true. do that. So I like think I think with Harry, he elevates you, you her. You take the rank of your husband. So... Like, yes. she's technically a princess because she is Princess Harry, but, mm-hmm. or Princess Henry, I should say, but she's not going to use that because it sounds better to say Duchess of whatever. And so if they're yeah. together, she's up there as child of the monarch to be. But yes, yep. you're right. If she walks into a room and she's having tea with Eugenie, Beatrice, Anne, and Kate, she's curtsying to all of them. Yeah. And I think from we've seen some videos online, you know they're going to insist on that. Yeah, so, no, I think well, that was least, actually this. Yeah. I think they clarified the rules or changed the rules when Kate married William because they wanted to make sure that Beatrice and Eugenie were high up in the pecking order. I mean, yeah, any way to feel relevant, I suppose. So, <laughs> um, speaking of the order of precedence, though, so this also comes into play when you're entering a room or an event. So it goes in descending order, where, um, or I suppose, ascending. Ascending yeah. order, yeah, thank you, where lower ranking would enter before higher ranking. So, 
ending with the queen. Um, I'm not sure at this point whether George, Charlotte, or Louis would factor in. I think they just get lumped with their parents most of the time. So I don't think like anyone's curtsying to like a two-year-old. Mm. I might be wrong. I don't know. I didn't read anything about that. And I think this is usually easy to do. You know, people stagger their arrivals to make sure they're not tripping over this order of precedence. Um, Kate and William did make headlines at Easter for entering after the Queen, but I think that's because, like punctuality, allowances can apparently be made for traffic. So they were late because of traffic. So the Queen isn't going to hold up the festivities because, you know, her grandson's sitting in traffic and she's the only one allowed to enter last. That's just not that practical. I think Henry VIII would have. Oh, you know he would have. <laughs> Yeah. And also I want to clarify, yeah, that's a great point. We are talking about what we think the modern rules are. I'm sure if we look into historical royal etiquette, there's all kinds of crazy stuff. If Henry VIII wasn't walking downstairs pointing his toes towards the banisters, then (laughs) I'll be shocked. Well, he wore heels, so maybe. probably invented it. Yeah, maybe wore heels after his time. I don't know. When heels were invented, they were a male dress item. So Let's make them do it again. They decided it was uncomfortable. Let's give it to the women. (laughs) Sounds about right. Okay. So let's talk about traveling. So the royals do keep a pretty busy schedule. Um, A lot of times that means traveling to perhaps different countries. Um, There's not as many rules around traveling, but the ones that do exist that I found are kind of morbid, actually, but also incredibly practical if you think about it. So traditionally... It would be prohibited for direct heirs in line to the throne to travel together, um, specifically to fly together. Um, However, William travels with George all the time. Um, The Cambridges do this with permission from the Queen, likely because air travel is far less risky these days than it was, say, 50 years ago. And it's ridiculous because if you think about it, these days, no one's going to leave their baby at home to travel halfway around the world. And you wouldn't stick them on another airplane. Right. I mean, I think we've talked a little bit about the years when Elizabeth was a young mother and she did not spend a lot of time with her children. That does not appear to be something that the Cambridges are interested in continuing. So they do travel with their children. But again, air travel these days, I mean, you're probably more likely to like fall off your bike than get in some sort of air incident. But when you do travel, members of the family also always travel with a black outfit in case of a death in the family so that they can disembark the plane properly dressed in mourning attire. Practical. Yes, this came into play when Elizabeth was traveling in Africa with her husband and found out that her father, the king, had died. And at the time, she was appearing in front of the press in you know, brightly colored clothes. But when she landed off the plane in England, she was wearing a black outfit. So it is practical. Yeah. Okay. So moving on to more lighthearted subjects. Romance. Most royal protocol around, say, your paramour, how you appear in public, has been historically more a question of, like, who is suitable to marry into the family. But I think it's more in the modern era where not that doesn't matter as much. It's more about how to behave romantically when there are cameras everywhere. 
and people around all the time, so the royals have adapted a few rules for behavior. Again, this is not modern era a big issue, but one rule for a while was don't be a divorcee. Mm. So not very strongly followed in modern times, especially considering uh, all of the queen's children, almost all have been divorced at this point. Um, But Meghan was still notable considering the history of Margaret and Edward. So um, if you want to know more about that, check out The Spare Affairs and The Edward Problem. But again, who to marry? Not so much a protocol issue in the modern time. But once you have picked out your royal consort, PDA is kind of considered a bit inappropriate. Um, William and Kate show very little PDA when out in public. I think they consider themselves essentially in a professional environment, and they try to keep it that way, although Harry and Meghan, conversely, are known for the Sussex PDA. So they do a lot of hand-holding, kissing, and at a recent viewing of Hamilton, Meghan was even overheard calling Harry my love. I feel like some of that is like, comes down to their roles, right? I think so, and yeah. Also, and personality, and, personality and probably also, like, I think what you said, like, about being professional, like, when you're at work, if you worked with your spouse, you wouldn't be, like, hand-holding and making out in the office. And also, like, if you set a precedent and you st- – because the thing that worries me about Harry and Meghan is the day that they stop holding hands, then we're all going to be like, oh, my right. God, what's hate wrong? each other. Sets a precedent. It's sort of like you give a little, then when you stop doing that, it's a thing. So I could see. Well, and you're setting expectations. And I think that's honestly probably a big reason why William and Kate don't do it because so much of their romance was played out, you know, with the new, the press praying all the time. So why wouldn't you want to keep some of that for yourself? Yeah. Plus, they got married after being together for like 10 years. They were probably like, eh, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe they're over it. So. Okay. So... As we've talked a lot about, many of the royal duties involve being out in the public, meeting the people. So another big area of etiquette would be meeting the public. Like, how do you do this? How do you handle the crowds, the germs, the commoners? You know, what are you, what are you doing to do this correctly? So this is not so much popular anymore, although the queen still follows this, but a big one is to wear gloves. Um, It's not any kind of fashion statement all the time. Um, It can be helpful in preventing germs. You know, you're shaking a lot of hands. A lot of those hands belong to little children. Mm. So the queen often wears gloves as a check against, you know, transferring a lot of germs to her hands. Although Diana was known to reject gloves in favor of flesh-to-flesh contact. So she kind of set the precedent of no, I'm going to go out, I'm going to meet the people, and I'm not going to put a barrier between us, which is refreshing, but also I wonder her instance of illness compared to the yeah, How many colds do you think she got on an annual basis? I mean, either she was, you know, taking B vitamins or she was sick all the time. But she has access to good doctors, so maybe that helped. Lots of Purell. Yeah. Um, another thing is, you know... Um, you can, I kind of made this one up based on my own observations, but speaking of children, uh, it's helpful if you kneel down to their eye level, which makes for a great photo op and also is a good check against wearing shorter mm, hemlines. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
If you're out in the crowd, though, don't take selfies, don't sign autographs. That last one is believed to be a way to prevent fraud. If you put your signature out there, other people could copy it, so they don't do that, although both Megan and Charles have done that. Um, so they don't always follow it, but I think it's a general rule that royals aren't signing autographs. Probably a biggie, maybe the biggie when interacting with the public is don't make your political opinions known. Royals don't vote so as not to sway public opinion, and so the same applies to mentioning the issues of the day. Um, Megan got in a bit of hot water earlier this year when she supposedly verbally supported Ireland's abortion vote at a garden party. And as we've talked about before, Prince Charles is notorious in stepping over this line. Yeah, I can see that. You know, they're not supposed to be the head of, you know, the political arena. So keep it separate. Although I think not having an opinion, sometimes it's hard to avoid. Yeah. And I think especially as we move into this particular era and the the changing of the guard happens, so to speak, I think there might be some reconsideration of that where it's not really considered in touch anymore to abstain from any sort of opinion. And I think we see that most with the royals who have the flexibility to bend those rules a bit. Um, well, I think the, the only one other than Charles really is Megan, who is, you know, hasn't backed down from her previously stated views on being a feminist. And, you know, she's supporting causes that might be a little bit more political than art funds and girl guides, you know? So I think we might see a bit of a shift in that. You could also make the argument that being a feminist isn't really a political position. Well, I wouldn't think so, but some people do. Interesting. Although I think that they have their ways. I seem to remember when Brexit was coming around, the vote that they had leaked out that the queen was very against it. It didn't help. Right. But I think that was a way that that was an attempt to sort of like yeah. backhandedly. Oh, you think the leak was yeah. intentional? Hmm. Maybe. Well, that's all I've got. So hopefully now you're prepared to enter into royal life. I don't know. It sounds like incredibly fussy. I'm not sure I'd make it through dinner, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, my God. I'd be so hungry all the time. I'd be like in a corner shoveling like peas in my mouth with a spoon can we have soup <laughs> i know right oh i'm sorry can i please cut my steak with a spoon that'd be great that'd be great <laughs> actually i just maybe i just asked for chopsticks there you go <laughs> yeah so that's that's royal etiquette as we suspect it to be in these times so again this is all secondhand from so-called royal experts so who knows i mean Maybe the queen reads these headlines and like laughs like, oh, they think I hate garlic and I just had 40 garlic soup for dinner. Ha ha ha. You know, so. Yeah. I know. mean, that that to me is practical. You wouldn't want to go somewhere reeking of garlic. But I well, ha- that might be I have read that 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 might be it, that it's not so much a hatred of garlic as maybe it's just a precaution against bad breath. I just feel like to, to ban it from food completely seems so extreme. Although, who knows? I don't know. I don't know what they eat. She apparently drinks a bottle of gin a day, so. Yeah. I read a story one time, Philip, I guess they were serving them these very dainty servings of lamb, like called like eye of lamb or something, like really tiny cuts. And um, 
Philip like wandered into the kitchen and he was like, what's that? And they're like, it's the lamb chop. He was like, can we have that? <laughs> so he like made the staff like give him their dinner. Oh, <laughs> no, like it was I think the staff probably then ate the fancy lamb. But, you know, he was like, what's a lamb chop? <laughs> Yum. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, that's kind of interesting. I feel like out of everything we talked about, maybe three of them are actual rules. Probably. I think the pantyhose is the only one that I'm sure is probably a thing, um, or at least a strong preference. But maybe the queen is changing in her ways and recognizing, hey, we got to let these modern women just be themselves. Maybe she just doesn't care. Yeah, maybe she's got more important things to worry about. Um, Okay, well, we will be back with our regularly scheduled programming next week with... The life of Francis or a chunk of his life. Yeah. Probably just a chunk. He's not he yeah. could be he could be his own four part series. So Yeah. We're gonna talk about continuing the other side of the Henry saga. So we'll be focusing on those years in question. Yep. Um and what what he was doing while he was battling Charles. I'm looking forward to it. I wanna square this circle, I guess. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good to wrap up the Henry VIII Tudor era um, Mm -hmm. while exploring a few other countries. Yeah. So. All right. Well, I will talk to you then. All right. Talk to you then. Monarchast is produced by me, Allie. And me, Claire. And our logo is by Ryan Cooney. If you like our episodes and want to give us a shout out, please rate or review us on iTunes or Google Play or whatever your preferred method of podcast listening is. We really appreciate it.